Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No you are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with the writer and director for Come On, Come On. Mike Mills. To visit planet Earth, you'll have to be born as a human child. At first, you'll have to learn to use your new body to move your arms and legs. You will learn to walk and run, to use your hands to make sounds and form words. There will be so much for you to learn and so much for you to feel. Sadness joy, disappointment, and wonder. You will grow up, travel, and work. Over the years, you will try to make sense of that happy, sad, full, always shifting life you're in. And when the time comes to return to your star, it may be hard to say goodbye to that strangely beautiful world. Damn this book. You're crying. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. You're definitely crying. Say you're crying. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today about your latest film, Come On, Come On. How are you doing today? I'm good. We had our, our LA premiere last night and our LA dance party. So I'm a little uh, sore and a little hungover, but it's working so far for the interviews. When I, when it was playing at New York Film Fest, I was at the after party uh, for that as well. And I saw oh. that you were a killer on that dance floor. So <laughs> I know exactly what you're referring to. <laughs> uh, me and Gabby and Andrea Longacre White, our producer, um, we love to dance and malls, everyone. And so we it's become sort of a thing for us. Love that. Love that. Yeah. yeah. So in talking about Come On, Come On here, um, the first thing I want to first start off by asking is Beginners very much is about your father, 20th century women, about your mother. And you've said before that Come On, Come On is uh, very much about the relationship with your son. And I'm curious to know, you know, with this reoccurring theme, is this mm. the end of an unofficial trilogy or is this something that you're interested in exploring in further projects? Like, is there, is there a cousin or something that I, that we don't know about? <laughs> um, and I've kind of run out of family members. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I don't know how that's going to work out. And my kid, my kid is non-binary, a they, them person. So I always oh, call okay. him kid and not everyone knows that, but. Um, gotcha. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't plan on this, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it only started because my dad, because uh, my dad, when, when he was dying, was such a flamboyant, awesome uh, big grandiose soul, right? Mm-hmm. He, and and I could actually say to him as he's doing all this crazy stuff and like just having this, you know, like um, gay adolescence at seventy five, right? I could say to him, you know, Pop, I I gotta make a movie out of this. Like you're just so intense and so interesting, and like you're so tied into history and like the personal is the political. And my dad could go like, great, you know, like my dad could like 
And I knew that my dad's spirit, even when he was gone, would kind of love this. Like he he liked he would like the attention, right? Mm-hmm. So my dad's spirit gave me permission to start this kind of work, which I'm not sure I would have started. It's just I'm not really this brave. And then I grew to really love that, or I felt like it was my best bet to make a good movie is by reporting on someone I know and love at a real close range. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what I'm going to do next. I have a dog. There's a nice dog sitting right there. I might make a (laughs) dog or something. (laughs) Uh, Well, Come On, Come On is also uh, your first black and white feature film as well. And it's also the um, first time that you're working with cinematographer uh, Robbie Ryan as well. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know when the decision was made to shoot this in black and white, what was the what what was the impulse behind the decision and how was that different than shooting uh, previously in color? Mm. It came from the very beginning. Like oh. uh, I kind of saw, you know, I wrote it in black and white. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, I saw that image of like the child and the adult, like walking through different cities and walking through different landscapes, which to me kind of means parenthood, right? It's like, you take a kid's hand and you walk them out into the world and you try to like make the world habitable for them. And that to me is like a mythological image, right? The little person and the big person, it's like mm-hmm. a fable. And I feel like black and white uh, releases us from verisimilitude. You know what I mean? Mm. Because it, you're not living, it's not the, it's not the way we see the world and it, immerses you in a very sort of artistic more like a more like a drawing version Mm -hmm. of the world and that gave me like a lot of room to like support the fable part to me you know and um i also feel like black and white creates like a softness or like i think of it as like sati piano music you know do you know sati like very Mm -hmm. sparse piano music it's like less media coming at you it's less stuff to neurologically digest so you have like more room i feel like to enter it to kind of move around and to me it's like more spacious in a way that i am always craving in films so it came from the very beginning and then robbie you know was into that idea i met robbie much later and robbie was just so good at um we didn't shoot it really differently we use like uh, like all my films lots of natural light everything that's interior is like practical it's like very minimal very minimal gear and i think black and white loves that like natural light, very, very light touch, not, not like rimlet. I think people think black and white, you have to like do all those lighting tricks to differentiate foreground and background. We didn't do anything like that. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Now I, I get what you're saying too. And all, all the stuff that you just used to describe uh, the choice behind black and white. I'm also wondering too, if that's uh, something that's also influenced uh, your use of music in your movies as well, mm-hmm. because totally. The, I was going to say, yeah, the score like this, 20th century women, uh, it, they, they have like this very ethereal, soothing, like I could fall asleep listening <laughs> to the calming sounds of the, of this, of these scores. Uh, mm. So can you talk about the Dresner brothers working with them and the collaboration that you had here and coming up with the score for Come On, Come On? Uh, it was a long process. And luckily I got to know them on the, I did this long project with them, right? made a long short film for them and then ended up working with them on their record. I was like a producer on their last record. So that really helped. We had this like real nice relationship and their friends. Yeah. All the woodwind stuff, like mm-hmm. 
You know, like the, that Claire de Lune played by saxophone, the San Francisco saxophone quartet, that became like a real interesting model for us and the score work we did. Yeah. Because it's, 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 it's reinforcing that like classic idea, like a, it's almost like a classic kids film or is a very sort of out of our time, old rendering of, I don't know, uh, uh, a theme we often call childhood, right? Mm. Like that Claire de Lune. And, and I like that. I liked embracing that sort of iconic quality, but it's also when it's played the saxophone, it's like the breath is like so organic and human and like present and it's like breathing, you know? So uh, Bryce um, composed that and Aaron did all the synth work around it. And it took a lot of work. It's very minimal and kind of like simple feeling. And it's, but it's really the, the heart and soul of the movie. Like it, it's really telling you the heart of the movie to me. Yeah, no, it, it definitely helps with the emotion of it all and really gives, like as I was mentioning earlier, just this really calm, soothing effect. It really helps to wash over you. I got to ask about the cast here. And I want to first start off with, of course, uh, Woody Norman, because mm -hmm. I can't even imagine how many kids you must have seen for this. Mm -hmm. And he is extraordinary in this movie. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously, then when you hear him open his mouth and you hear that this British accent come out, then you're just like, wait, what? Yeah. So what was it about him amongst the hundreds, maybe even thousands, I don't know, kids that you might have uh, seen for this that made you go, he's the one? Um, well, it's not like a single thing. So also, here's the other crazy thing. Uh, you know, you sent out a casting call right and mm -hmm. you get like, your first round and we we did a lot a lot of our budget towards casting we thought it would take a very long time and you know all that Woody was like kid number two kid number you're three. kidding yeah and it, and then that same same thing we're having oh let's get that kid in he was amazing oh he's in britain he's in london oh he's he's on holiday well when's he coming back no no he lives there oh he's an american that was no 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 he's british like, <laughs> what? You know? and then um we did have to look at a lot of kids because we had all these issues around um Woody's visa and and in Trump times getting him able to work here, we weren't sure it was actually going to work out. Wow. So the film, you know, like A24 and everyone understandably asked me to just keep looking. So I did, you know, keep looking, but Woody was always the first choice. And wow. It's it's largely because Woody's really smart. Um, mm -hmm. Woody is able to hold his presence without being performative. Mm -hmm. but being like ready, willing, able, responsive and interacting with the actor without like a lot of camera consciousness or any, like he's weirdly able to just click off that he's in his set and be in cohabitation with the other actor and not perform. And he understands that. I don't yeah. know if it's from his mom, Vonda, who's a big part of our film family or what he's just, and he does it in interviews. Like we've just been doing press or like Q and A's. And I feel like a performing monkey next to him. No offense to monkeys, but like, he's just so authentic and not like doing anything to please you or to like win you over, but he's very perceptive and very honest. And I felt like that's exactly what was happening on the set. What just happened this Q and A He's kind of disarmingly there without like trying super hard at it. So that, that was the main call. And it, funny as fuck. I mean, I just shouldn't say that about a 10, 11, 12, 12 now, but like <laughs> Joaquin's really funny too. And Joaquin will like, you know, pepper you with like 
barrage you with little Woody can keep up with just anything. Woody's mm-hmm. just can and that's part of their bouncing off back and forth fun with each other. Yeah. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at Chapacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. Speaking of Joaquin, I'm also very curious to know, coming off of a role uh, as demanding as Joker was for him, was there a conversation between the two of you about, I need to do something completely the opposite, and or, or was it just you, you knew that he could tap into that tender, soothing side that we've seen from him in other roles before? Uh, what, just what were those preliminary conversations like? Well... I didn't know he'd done Joker when I reached out to him. Like it wasn't in my consciousness. So they had mm-hmm. shot it and were editing it. And I should know better. It's like on his IMDB, but I, I was, you know, I just didn't know and didn't care. And I still haven't seen it, to be honest, because mm-hmm. it's like it was too much of an ex ex lover for me to deal with. So I was just like, I'm, just gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna even know you exist. Yeah. Um, and no, Joaquin doesn't really think like that. That would be like too superficial for him be like oh i did this so i'm going to do that he has mm-hmm. to have like a much deeper connection and he, you know when he first came to meet me it was really sweet but he was like you know i just i don't see a way in like i don't know how to do this you know mm. and so it was kind of like okay but then he kept asking questions and i think it's really just i think his process is probably like this in all of his films you know yeah and it was a long process of us sitting at this table going over the script and just like talking and the thing that glued it all together, kept it going. Is we like talking to each other, like we and about this kind of stuff, about like families and and the complexities and the layers and just human behavior. Like we have like similar interests and we like to laugh. So like we would just crack up a lot, and it was like that simple as that. Yeah, you know, totally. And yeah. I love that he could be that versatile of an actor. He's one of the best of our generation for sure. Um, mm-hmm. The interviews that are conducted in this movie, I found to be. Very emotional, highly engaging. But the thought that kept occurring to me while I was watching it over and over was, are these scripted or are these genuine? And did he actually interview these people and just wing it? So I want to know for I want to know hearing from you now, what was the case with those interviews? Because they're they're amazing. Yeah, no, they're all, I couldn't write that. They're all, they're all, um, you know, non-actor kids that we found in each city and Joaquin starting off with a list of questions that mm-hmm. that I wrote, and and of course he's in a conversation. Like Joaquin's really good at like being present for the kid, being totally listening with respect and interest and deep curiosity, and that's what makes them the interviews good. Same with Molly Webster from from Radio Lab, so that like she she knows that. And pa- uh, 
but that that's uh, no, they're totally um, real, whatever you want to call it. They're yeah. real documentary interviews. I mean, either way, it's impressive as hell because well, if I wrote makes... those, that would be really impressive. Either way, either way, the emotional impact is all that matters. <laughs> to me, it's part of the film I'm most excited about that I include that I had these different textures that I had a film that has a documentary practice and documentary results mixed in with a narrative. I feel like that was the funnest director move I did on, on this film. And it's, so it's really important that they're real kids and their real voice and all that. And so much more interesting. And, and it's kind of the point I'm making of decentering my authorial voice, right. And wanting to listen and include rather than write, you know, yeah, totally. And I think that the message that the movie gives is a very strong and powerful one that hopefully audiences will take with them as they move forward into the future as well. So, Mm. Mike, thank you so, so much for taking the time today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Have a good rest of your day. Okay. Same to you. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Mike Mills, the writer and director for Come On, Come On, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Come On, Come On is currently playing in theaters and limited release from A24. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) Right.